Thank you for tuning your hearts in for another episode of the Hearts Rise Up podcast. I'm Carol Chapman, your host, along with my co-hosts, Anne Sari and Conchetta Antonelli. We share our own personal experiences, tips, and strategies, along with powerful stories and compelling insights from guest interviews. We're here to inspire and empower your conscious evolution, help you tap into your inner wisdom and rise to your heart-centered higher self. Together, we can rise to a higher level of consciousness, an elevated state of being, and experience more love, joy, and freedom. Welcome back, heart-centered listeners. Thank you for joining us again for another fantastic episode of the Hearts Rise Up podcast, where you will always find inspiring, heart-centered wisdom for your conscious evolution. I have a very special guest today, D. Neil Elliott. To any outsider, Neil was highly educated, owned a profitable consulting firm, a successful career, and an amazing wife and family. But things were not all they seemed to be. And at age 57, Neil was depressed, anxious, and fearful, and ready to commit suicide. In a phrase, he was in a very, very dark place. Quite by accident, he discovered a higher road. As he traveled that road, he found the key to transforming his life. In fact, he wrote a book on it entitled A Higher Road, Cleanse Your Consciousness to Transcend the Ego and Ascend Spiritually. Neil lives in a peaceful historic village on the west coast of British Columbia with his wife and a house full of art, books, and plants. He names all of his plants. His favorite is a tall and lean yucca called Rohelio. Did I get that right? You did, Rohelio. <laughs> okay, good. He has three children and five grandchildren, all of whom, of course, are all brilliant. He loves all wildlife and domestic pets, too. Furthermore, in his 20s, Neil raised a variety of parrots and Labrador dogs. He has a passion for motorcycling and loves to travel, particularly in Europe, to visit museums, churches, and art galleries. He likes to visit cities and enjoy all that they have to offer, but prefers a peaceful country life close to water, forests, and plenty of wildlife. Neil, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Carol. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very much looking forward to our conversation today. Well, me too. You know, we have had a couple of conversations, but our first one was a pretty long conversation, and that was a few weeks ago. And when we came together, we had a very heartwarming conversation. And then as you were sharing a little bit more about who you are and your story, you know, there was some very heart-wrenching things. When I started to think about it, it's not really uncommon because a lot of us go through so many different things in our lives. But what is uncommon is how you approached your challenges in life that led you to a dramatic turnaround. And I would love for you to share your personal journey and the crucial moments in your life, what was happening, how you turned things around. And also, I want to talk a little bit about the work that you're doing today, your mission, the book, the process that you are putting out there to help others, that process that helped you and that you stumbled upon. I would love for you to share as much as you can about that as well. Go ahead, dive right in. All right. Probably the best place to start is when I was a child and kind of just give everybody a little bit of window into my childhood. Youngest of six, and my father passed away when I was five years old. So it was in 1965. So I was born in 1960. So in 1965, my mother found herself without a job, six kids, and essentially buried my father and then went to summer school 
she had a university degree, so she went to summer school to begin a process of getting her teacher's certificate and got a job to start that September as a teacher. Consequently, you know, growing up was, you know, I didn't have a lot of parental influence and we were left to our own devices. And in the 60s, that's way different than today. You know, I walked myself to school and those kinds of things. But, you know, essentially, as I was growing up, as everybody does, you know, we come into this world as a little child and our brains don't get to the point where they can make conscious decisions for themselves until they're about five years old. So that's the kind of normal development of a brain. And so when you're a baby, and if you've been fortunate enough to be born into this world with a parents of means that can look after you and support you and feed you and, you know, shower you with love, you're this little embodiment of joy. And really what you are is you're a sponge. You're just soaking up everything that's in your environment, your parents' emotions, your parents' thinking, and, uh, you know, your siblings and anybody that you become exposed to. Essentially, what you're doing is you're shaping your beliefs and you're shaping your future experiences. And as we grow from, and then at age five, we start to make our own conscious choices that have already been influenced by what we've, you know, kind of absorbed up to that date. Then your environment that you're in and your circumstance you're in, you take that information and start to respond in a way which you know, affects your learning and affects how you view the world. And we reinforce those patterns of thinking and behavior as we grow from babyhood to adulthood. Now, I'm telling you all of this now that I'm at where I'm at. I certainly didn't know this before. Mm. And, <laughs> and I'm still a work in progress. Everybody needs to know that. So still a work in progress. And anything I say today that sounds brilliant or amazing, if I say anything like that, know that it doesn't come from me. I am merely the messenger. Anyway, we grow from babyhood to adulthood, and we're reinforcing these patterns of thinking, we're learning new things, we're reinforcing additional patterns, etc. And we bury those deeply in our subconscious mind, and, and then we have these conscious thoughts and choices. And we begin to view the world in a particular way. We think we're becoming versed in the ways of the world, but what we're really doing is we're shutting our soul off from its connection with the divine. We're shutting our soul off from its source and from the light. And I finished high school. Uh, you know, I worked at a few jobs driving tractor trailer, you know, working in a restaurant, those kinds of things. But I went to university and I got an engineering degree. And then I got into the working world as a professional engineer. In my 30s, I decided that I needed, I wanted to adopt, you know, a more positive attitude from in terms of how I viewed other people's opinions and beliefs and their expression of themselves, so to speak, their ideas. And so I took up positive thinking. I picked up, you know, books that we've probably all read, Tony Robbins, Napoleon Hill, Dr. Wayne Dyer, you know, etc. And they all had good processes and good ideas and good information. And so I adopted some of those, but it was always this conscious effort mm -hmm. to try and change how I was thinking about somebody. And I could do that. But in the end, the subconscious mind wins, the ego wins. In 2002, I went into consulting and life became about work. You do a good job, you deliver, and you please your clients, you get repeat work. And if you don't, kind of things dry up pretty quickly. So I worked hard and, you know, I made a lot of money and I spent a lot of money and we made some financial decisions. We lived, you know, in this beautiful waterfront home, which was very expensive. But over this period from 2002 to 2015, what was really happening was you know, I'm still in the mental processes and patterns of thinking that I had. And I was just slowly going into this really deep and despondent depression. And in 2015, I realized, oh, this is kind of like, I'm really depressed. I'm thinking like, well, what's the point of life? I work hard. I'm not getting ahead. I earn lots of money. I'm not getting ahead. I just, I felt like at this albatross or this chain around my neck that was just dragging me down. And no matter what, I was doing, I couldn't, you know, get clear of that. And I just kept getting more and more depressed. 
And so I started to pick up newly issued books, spiritual books, some science books, those kinds of things, all new great information, you know, by authors we know again, and all good processes and stuff. So I was trying to change how I thought about life. And I read a book from a woman that experienced a near-death experience and, you know, it was a great book. And she brought back messages that resonated with me. They were believable, but not understandable, if that's the right way to say it. And, you know, they were just hard to grasp, even though I believe them. But what her book did for me was it gave me permission to commit suicide. One of the messages she brought back was, we, or two of them was, we come from love, we return to love, we're not judged after death. Mm-hmm. And I had this nagging kind of Christian doubt, even though I grew up agnostic, I had this nagging Christian doubt that, you know, if I committed suicide, there's a chance I'd go to hell. And I didn't want to do that, of course, but life was so, it was so pointless to me. Mm. I was just willing to cash it in. So I was planning my suicide. Some material landed up in my lap about a week prior to me sitting down at a kitchen table and crafting a suicide note. And I thought, I have permission now to commit suicide. So I planned out my suicide. Our house had finally sold after seven years on the market. My wife had left to visit family and friends in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I sat down at this kitchen table and crafted a suicide note. And I was planning it out because, you know, we're all good actors in our environment. We all put our best foot forward. We can hide all kinds of things. So no one knew I was depressed. No one knew I was feeling like I was feeling. And I wanted to ensure that my wife was going to be financially okay when I pulled the trigger. And I wanted to say goodbye to my family without them knowing what I was going to do. So I, so I crafted this note. I had a plan. But this material, you know, it, it called to me, so to speak. You know, it promised to liberate me from my thinking if I was willing to be open to it, curious, non-judgmental, and read it. And so I did. I began this process, and I thought, okay, well, I'll put the suicide away. That was going to be three months away anyway. I'll put it away. You know, it's delayed a little bit. That's okay. I can always do that, but I can't come back from doing it. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll embark on reading this material. A year later, my depression was totally gone. I was full of inner peace. I was full of joy. I was just, you know, it it just, I totally had a new outlook on life. And so I've, you know, carried on with this process. And I wanted to share this with everybody I could. I wanted to stand on the rooftops and and showed it to the world. Mm. And I thought I'd be looked at like an idiot. Of course, I didn't do that. But I kept it all to myself. No one knew about it. No one knew about this transition. And I decided after a couple of years, the best way for me to do that is to write a book. And my goal with my book, of course, is to help people. You know, the new knowledge I gained, the logical and rational information that bridges this gap between spirituality and science, and a very specific process that's tangible that, you know, I found I could do, and it made sense to me just made all the difference in the world with making this leap and with actually understanding who we really are at the core of our being Mm. and what we're here to do and we're meant to do. And at some point, each of us will do it. The question is just when and how. So I want to share the process I went through. I've done that in my book. And my goal is to help people that, you know, if it rings true to you, and you follow this process, you can totally transform how you think. And as we individually change, and we become this expression of unconditional love, and we understand what we're here to do, and and why we're here, and what this process looks like, we will eventually bring this whole world into a new era of love and peace. And so my part is to try and get this out to people so that they can read it and make a decision for themselves. Well, I have to admit, I've read the book, and it's very, very compelling. The steps that you go through, people go through a lot of different changes in their lives, and we each have an opportunity to take the time to find what process, what approach, what's going to work for us in terms of really 
understanding more about ourselves, where we come from, who we are. And I've studied a lot of different things myself, but I've found that what you have presented is something very, very compelling. Now, it may not work for everyone. I think part of it is our commitment to our own personal development, our own personal spiritual growth. I think that is probably the most important thing. But I would love for you to share your experience as you were going through the process of unfoldment and the steps that you describe in the book that over the course of a year really helped you just turn things around. Because it's really all about breaking through the barrier of the ego and moving beyond it, moving beyond mind and breaking away the illusion of everything else. Can you share a bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. And you're right. I believe, you know, everybody needs to find a path that makes sense and rings true with them and is going to work for them. And so the difference for me, given because I'm an engineer, or well, this is my rationale anyway, because I'm an engineer and I have this, I like to be able to observe and measure and calculate. And I look at things that way from a, this rational, logic, scientific perspective. I needed a process that bridged this gap from spirituality to science that made sense to me and then enabled me to then follow the process to, you know, begin this process of a spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were some preparatory books for me that now I'm going to say that the books that I'm going to talk about now or the process I'm going to talk about now was actually preordained almost to open me up so that I would accept this blueprint material that I will also share some information on. And I was hoping you would do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this blueprint material that I talk about, once someone's read a higher road cover to cover and decided they want to embark on this process, you know, if it makes sense to them, then I provide all of this material that I used for free. I put it in a PDF format. I've reformatted it with more white space so that it's easier to read than the material that I, you know, than the source material. Right. So if I go back, you know, the first thing that I needed to do in this awakening for me was truly understand that consciousness is beyond our brain. So for me, it was, I used to think that everything I thought was in my brain, something I learned or, or was exposed to or educated in. and my concept of consciousness now is, and I'm going to talk about two or three levels here. So the first shift for me was to understand that consciousness was not only in my brain, was throughout my entire body and all around us. And that happened through this process of some authors that I share in my book, and I recommend people read them if, you know, they're not familiar with this material. But the first one was a, a book on mind and memes. And a key point out of this book, and there's many, but a key point for me out of this book that started this transition for me was to fully and completely understand that everything that I thought was right or wrong, good or bad, true or false, is really just a belief. And what that enabled me to do is say things that I thought as right or wrong, etc., there would be other ways to look at it. And maybe it's not true. Maybe it's just my belief that it's true. Mm-hmm. And so with that realization also came this realization that what we choose to think about as good or bad, right or wrong, true or false, just a belief, and that we are totally influenced by what happened in our childhood through to, you know, our present day, and that we continually are influenced by all these externalities in our environment by all of the things that are prolific on the internet these days or in news or on radio or um, podcasts <laughs> or, you know, that we read in magazines and newspapers and we watch in TV and films. And the things that we reinforce and continually gravitate to are consistent with our beliefs. So my concept of consciousness now 
and it will go beyond this. But, you know, I view it as something that's in my brain, but also outside of me. And what I'm thinking about is really just a, a stream that passes by my awareness. And I'll choose a thought out of that stream. We do this in a nanosecond. I'll choose a thought. I'll look at it. If I like it, I keep it. I dwell on it. And it might be a thought that's a, a happy or loving thought, or it could be a thought of hate or anger, any negative emotion that you can think about. But if it's consistent with our thinking, we take it and we dwell on it. And if we don't like the thought, we don't agree with it, we just throw it back in the stream. What we watch and what we expose ourselves to every moment of every day pollutes that stream. And we just continually to reinforce the thoughts and things that we think about. So this is kind of a new expanded concept of consciousness for me. The next thing I read was a book on mind and biology. And it was really a book that, you know, in short strokes is what we think about. And this is now all known in science and, and documented, etc. So fits with my engineering is what we think about affects the expression of a cell. Right. The expression of a cell is the work that it does. So we can either promote the health and well-being of our cells or we can be detrimental to them. And so that was a new concept for me that I had not thought about before. I always thought illnesses were just, you know, these random things that we got or how we're feeling, but you know, we're actually promoting the well-being of our cells by how we think or we are being detrimental to it. Then the next kind of book in this progression for me was a book on neuroplasticity. And before the 1960s, science always thought the brain grew to a certain size and then it atrophied as you got older. And in the 1960s, they discovered that, you know, you can change the neural pathways and how you think in the brain. You reinforce ones that happen quickly or you can change them, but it takes effort and, and a process to do that. Right. And you can grow new brain cells. So the brain doesn't necessarily atrophy. It can, but it doesn't have to. So these are great books, they're easy reads, and the one on neuroplasticity, or there's two I put in a higher road to consider, one's very technical, the other easy read one, you know, uses examples of people that perhaps had a brain injury, and then how they changed how they thought to change, you know, their neural pathways, grow new brain cells, and alleviate all or some of the effects of the brain injury. And so what this did is it just opened this entire thing up for me, you know, everything I think about is really just a belief. Our beliefs and our thinking then affect our biology and affects how we think and affects the structure of our brain. Then I read this near-death experience about a woman who had a near-death experience. She was suffering from an aggressive cancer and over a four-year period, her body became riddled from her waist to her head of, full of tumors. At the end of that four-year period, she had open, weeping lesions in her skin, and she fell into a coma. She dropped from a normal body weight to 75 to 90 pounds, couldn't lift her head, and was on oxygen 24 hours a day. Fell into a coma. They rushed her to the hospital. The admitting physicians told her husband and family she wouldn't make it through the night, and she woke up. 24 hours later and declared she'd be okay. And within two weeks, they couldn't find a trace of cancer in her body. Again, all medically documented. And her book really describes what her experience was like when she had this near-death experience and she, when she was in this coma. She brought back specific messages. We come from love. We return to love. We're not judged after death. She felt she was becoming a part of everything in the universe and that everything possessed consciousness and she has a really colorful and good descriptions that just stretched my concept of consciousness and then i had this blueprint material and this blueprint material did this in-depth bridge between spirituality and science it uses such logic and rational ideas and concepts that we all know about today in science but you know we didn't know a hundred years ago and then does this bridge and i outline all of this in higher road 
so what happened then was I began this process. You know, you'll learn how to meditate in this process. It comes later in the material for a very specific reason in that you need to understand some of these concepts and gain this new knowledge before you learn how to do the meditation that's going to do the job for you, so to speak. And as I began this process, what happened at about the seven-month level, and you're right, you need to be dedicated and committed to this process, but at seven months, what happened is I felt this little tingly at the top of my head. And I didn't know what it was. It was about the size of a dime, and it kind of felt odd, but, you know, I just kept following the process. And then that little area just grew bigger and bigger, and I finally realized that what I was doing was I was impressing new knowledge in new brain cells at the topmost parts of the brain underneath the skull. Today, that opening, you could put a bowl over my head and it goes down almost to the bottom of my ears. So what happened was that works at a higher level of consciousness, a higher frequency. And as I went through this process, I came to understand that what was happening to me was as I was meditating, I was going through these shifts of higher frequency of consciousness. Until I got to a point where, well, and, and I keep going through these shifts, but I got to a point where the spiritual energy would flow in through this opening at the top of my head, and it would fill my head. And then, you know, over time, it would go into various parts of my body. It might go into my chest or my solar plexus or down one leg and up the other or in my entire body all at once. About 13 months after I began this process, I went into two meditations, a couple days apart, and what it did was it confirmed everything that I was beginning to understand that this process was giving me truth, and it is the truth, but these two meditations just made that faith unshakable. And I went into this meditative state where I shift in this high frequency of vibration and my entire body was just full of unconditional love. I didn't care how I felt. I didn't care, you know, like I didn't care what state my body was in, how, what kind of pain it was in, what kind of illness it was in. I just felt fully supported, not judged, full of unconditional love. It was just, it was filling me. And it was so, so incredible and so impossible to describe in human terms. We just don't have the language. I had two of these meditations like this a couple days apart. And what that did for me is it just totally confirmed for me that everything I now knew at that point was true. And then as I've carried on with this process from, you know, that would have been uh, December of 2018. That would have been 13 months mark. As I carry on from that period to today, things that I read and understood in this material a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, has just deepened, and my understanding and my knowledge or complete, I'll use the word understanding again because I can't think of anything else, but my complete understanding of it has just evolved over time. And I just, I understand what I'm reading now in an entirely new and different way. This is like an evolving process. It is just, my faith is unshakable. And this process is just, for lack of a better word, just it's magical. It's, it's amazing. It is magnificent. And I just want to share it with everybody if I could. <laughs> like everybody to read my book and make a decision for themselves. Because this is the, you know, it's going to ring true for some people. And this can be the difference of carrying on the way they live or transforming their lives. Absolutely. Can you describe in a little bit more detail the meditation technique that's used in the process? Yeah. Okay, so I picked up some meditation techniques in the 90s, and I practiced them over a period of time. And I tried it, and, you know, and I was inconsistent with it. But this meditation technique that you will learn the difference for me around this material is it taught me or explained to me the purpose of meditation. And I know there's lots of good reasons for, you know, that people will talk about lower blood pressure and 
you know, less stress, all of those good things. But the real purpose of meditation is to go into the silence and the stillness and make connection with the divine. And when you go through this process, you will learn to completely stop all your thoughts and you go into this state of silence and stillness. And so, you know, what I do is you need to get in a position where you totally relax your body. Um, I use a recliner, you know, I relax your head, your neck, everything. Because what you don't want to be using any muscles or anything that distract you from the state of silence and stillness. So I go into this really relaxed position and then I begin this process, this meditative process. You have to gain some knowledge about your target. And this is all described in the material before you, you know, this process will really work well for you, but, you know, it will work. And you'll learn how to, you know, kind of get rid of all your thoughts out of your mind. And when you do this, you enter this state of complete silence and stillness. And that is what enables you to connect with the divine. Now, today, I still meditate every day. You can start with 10 minutes and move on to whatever you want. But for me, I meditate 90 minutes to two hours every morning without fail. Mm -hmm. But my connection with the divine is constant and mutually reciprocal. And I can go into that state of, if you I take three, four, five minutes and just sit silently and still, I can go into that state and I can make this connection with the divine. And it's a strong connection. You feel it not only in my head, but, you know, in various parts of my body. When you know, when you gain the new knowledge <laughs> and then you begin this process, you just, you know that what you know is true. Mm -hmm. And then you just get to the point where you just somehow want to share it with people. Why don't we cover the seven steps of the process? So the first one is really to stretch your consciousness. And, you know, so I recommend these science books. If you're already familiar with them, then you can start with step one. And really the first one is what really expanded my belief of consciousness once I had fully prepped and was ready for this material was this reading of this near-death experience. And so I recommend everybody read this book. The second step is really what I do is I share this blueprint material. So I call it Truths Unveiled. Because what this material is going to teach you is it's going to teach you things like what was before the Big Bang, the impetus for the Big Bang, what happened at the time of the Big Bang, and then why and how creation occurred and then evolved over the millions and billions of years. And it's going to give you the mechanisms that we know in science today that we use moment by moment to create every experience and every event that comes into our life. And when you understand these mechanisms and you understand the processes of these mechanisms, I believe you then can make a conscious choice around living like you currently do and carrying on, or you can make a conscious choice to start this transformation to align your thinking and totally change your not only conscious thinking, but your subconscious thinking. And so that's the material. The, the rest are steps. So step three is really a reflection. And it is for you to, as you begin this process, for you to sit down, be totally truthful with yourself and honest and write down how you really feel about life. Are you happy with it? Or would you rather, you know, call it quits? And this is a letter or a document that's only for you. It's for no one else. It's not to please a God. It's not to show your wife or your family or your husband or your friends. It is only for you. And you're going to seal that away. And you'll open it to your letter so that you can compare how you felt at the time about life and then what your new concept and your new understanding is a year later. The fourth step is really how to cleanse your consciousness. So the the things that we think about in our conscious mind, we need to cleanse and we make choices about what those thoughts are. And then we also need to, and this is the more difficult part, is you need a process to be able to break up and dissolve the patterns of behavior that you've already embedded and programmed in your subconscious mind. 
So those patterns and those behaviors are like concrete. They're very hard to break up and they're very hard, hard to dissolve. And so it takes time, energy, and effort to do that. And it happens slowly. And it happens slowly because if you were to immediately change, you know, it may have negative consequences for this lifetime for you. You may go into a suicidal position. So this happens slowly. Step five is really rebuilding your consciousness into golden qualities of, you know, aspirations of divine consciousness. So you're going to, as you learn this material, you will mm. come up with what you think, and it may be totally accurate or it may not be yet. You think of what the golden qualities of divine consciousness are. They're, they're described and they're expressed, but whether you actually grasp their real meaning to begin with, you know, that's entirely up to the person and where that person's at. So you'll start to rebuild with qualities that are consistent with the divine. And then the sixth step is, you know, learning this meditation, learning one prayer and one prayer only that you're going to recite at the beginning of this meditation. And you need to have this knowledge to be able to understand your target in this prayer. And when you understand your target, then, you know, this prayer is quite simple. And it's straightforward and it's the only thing you're going to need to do that's, you know, kind of from rote, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then step seven is really rinse and repeat. You know, you're just, you're going to go back and you're going to loop through these steps from cleansing and rebuilding and doing your meditation. Let me ask you this. After you've gone through this entire process, and I want to thank you for sharing those steps because I, th I think they're very critical. And I would imagine each and every one is important. But, you know, as I was thinking about steps four and five, the cleansing of the ego and all, all your beliefs and, and all that, just kind of cleansing everything out. And then step five being the rebuilding, I would think they seem to me to be the most crucial elements of the process, although all of the pieces are important in the process. I'm just wondering, at this point, have you achieved a constant communication with the divine at all times? I would say yes to that and know that that may shift and evolve for me and get even deeper and stronger than it currently is or not. I don't know. So I don't mm. worry about what's going to happen in the future. I just continue to follow the process. So right now, for instance, even as we're having this conversation, I'm getting direction and inspiration in terms of what to talk about or what to say. You know, this is really a process. It's much more about feeling, but you will also, you know, you may be inspired or you may have direct instructions. They might be subtle or they might be quite stronger. It really depends on, on kind of where you're at. Let's talk a little bit about the reason why we're here. So we have to take the frame of reference off of one life. And your soul, there's going to be a bunch of stuff here so that I'm not going to talk about necessarily, but your soul is a fragment of divine consciousness. So divine consciousness comes from universal consciousness. You'll understand all of this when you read the material. And divine consciousness... Let me back up. Universal consciousness is in silence and stillness. It is opposing impulses. At the time of the Big Bang, these impulses, which you'll learn what these all are, but these are, were torn apart to form divine consciousness so that universal consciousness could experience itself. And universal consciousness is unconditional love. Divine consciousness is unconditional love. But it also works in this material form through electromagnetism to create everything that we see in the universe. So we know from science today that at a subatomic level, everything is just energy. There's nothing that's solid in the universe. Everything is just energy. So science believes there's a Big Bang. Out of that Big Bang came electromagnetism and came the birth of the, you know, galaxies and stars and universe. And they believe that these electrical 
particles randomly got together to form elements. These elements randomly got together to form a living molecule. These living molecules randomly got together to form the first living cell. And then over billions of years, we have the life forms that we see today. And what this material will do is it will describe exactly this process and how all of this works and how all of this evolves. And it does it in not engineering, mathematical, let me do a calculation type way, but it gives you concepts of all of this information. This is so logical and rational that you will be able to understand how and why the universe comes into being. So the reason, you know, your soul comes here as a fragment of divine consciousness, it is injected into the conception process at the time of sperm and ovum fertilizing the egg. And your soul is perfect. Your soul is unconditional love. As we grow older and we adopt these patterns of belief, what we're doing is we're through this process of electromagnetism, these consciousness forms that we create, binds down our soul and cuts it off from the light. And our ego takes control of our, everything we think about and our responses to life. Our soul's purpose over many, many lifetimes is to evolve and to experience and to make its way back to the divine while it is still in materialized form. So you and I and everyone will be reincarnated in varying genders, varying colors of skin, varying places of origin, varying cultures, different religions. You'll be poor in some lifetimes, wealthy in others. You'll be living on the street in some lifetimes, living in mansions in others. And all of these experiences, oh, from a soul's perspective, is to learn the lessons that it needs to learn. And when you look at this, it's only through lessons of suffering does the journeying soul gain self-knowledge to retain individuality after discarding the ego. And, you know, your purpose over lifetimes and lifetimes is to get to the point where your soul wakes up understands what it's doing to itself through these processes of its thinking and its feelings and its responses to life, and then use the mechanisms of creation, electromagnetism. We think with electrical impulses in our brain, we feel with magnetic impulses in our nervous system, and our thoughts, our consciousness plans, whether it's something that we like or don't like, mm. and our electromagnetism feelings, whether it is a, a feeling of love or a feeling of hate, bonds this consciousness plan into a blueprint. And then we reinforce that blueprint over time through repeated thinking and feeling. And at some point, that will materialize itself in manifested form as an event or an experience or an illness in our life. And when we actually learn these mechanisms and why and how all of this works, we have the choice to actually carry on as we currently are, or to start to make these shifts and go through this process of cleansing these ego impulses of selfishness and detrimental thinking to enable us to have of thinking which is consistent with the divine and begin this process of a spiritual awakening. Neil, I have another question that I think would help to round out what you have just described in this process and your own experience. And as you were really kind of sharing, you know, the, you know, bridging the gap between science and spirituality, I would love for you to share how you manifested the Lexus convertible because we didn't talk about that. That's part of your story. I think one of the things that was a, a major trigger for you, I mean, there were triggers all along the way that got you to where you are, but it really helps to demonstrate how the universe actually works. Yeah. And for me, it was a great example to share with people because it just made so much sense afterwards, <laughs> after I knew what I knew, what I know today. So in 2011, I think it was, I had this dream car at the time. It was a hardtop Lexus convertible, gray. And I thought, oh, at some point, you know, I'll save up my money and, you know, I might buy that car. But every day what I did was I thought about that car and 
I imagined myself driving this twisty road that was up to our waterfront home in this car, top down, wind in my hair. And I felt that whole joy of that experience with no compunction about running out and buying the car. But, you know, I did that every day. And I described this in my book, what I did. A year after I began that process and this consistent thinking and feeling, that car, I bought a $100 lottery ticket, which I do every year to support our Pacific National Exhibition in, in Vancouver. And the main draw is always a house, which, you know, I always have my eye on winning the house. And they have, they typically back then had 12 cars they were giving away in addition, never paid any attention to the cars because I always had a car and always got a car I liked. And so a year after I began that process of dreaming about this Lexus, I bought a ticket in the spring and then this draw happened in September, kind of even forgot about the draw thinking, oh, I'll get a phone call for the house. And one day the phone rang and I had won this Lexus convertible. Now, I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even know the model number. I said, oh, well, what kind of Lexus is that? And they said, oh, it's a hardtop convertible. And I, you know, kind of, oh, what, what kind of hardtop convertible? And they told me the name and stuff. Anyway, it ended up being this gray Lexus convertible that I had been imagining at a picture on my wall every day. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'm just, I'm just lucky. This is amazing, you know, that I won this. For us, it was a $60,000 car in Canada. And then I learned the processes, you know, later on. Now I've learned these processes. And I understand now what I was doing was I was creating this consciousness blueprint of this Lexus convertible. Like I was imagining this gray Lexus convertible, this hardtop. I had a picture of it on my wall. And just reinforcing it with, with these emotions and thinking that I did every day that just ended up kind of magnetizing to itself this manifestation of this Lexus. I described this in the book early on, and then these mechanics of how this actually works. And this is what we do with every thought we have. If we have a, a denigrating, destructive, slanderous, judgmental, critical thought of other people, and we're magnetizing those thoughts with feelings of anger or hate or dislike, whatever those are, those will attract to us like experiences. And you will have no recollection in our human consciousness. You'll have no recollection of what you're thinking or doing when this event actually finally magnetizes into your life in the future. You'll forgot all about what you were thinking about or what you've reinforced because we create thousands of these consciousness blueprints every day. And when they're all narcissistic and selfish, greedy, and there's a list, a specific list that gets listed out that you go through this process, when they are those kinds of things which are inconsistent with unconditional love, you will magnetize those into your life. So conversely, when you get all of your thinking cleansed and you are having loving, kind, positive thoughts that you are just reinforcing all the time, you start to draw those experiences into your life and those events into your life and your life just totally transforms and your outlook, our externalities, what we think and what we see every moment, every, every day is really just a reflection of our beliefs. And so when you go through this process, you will see things that you thought about in the past and you'll have an entirely new view of that event and that experience. And your life just totally transforms. It is truly a magical experience. And then when you get this connection with the divine and you feel this and you get these instructions or you get this inspiration about what you should be doing for that day or what you should be working on, you essentially surrender your will to the will of the divine. And when you do that, your life changes. Amazing. It's really all about how we create our own reality. And so really what you've just shared here is how the universe is created. As we wrap up, I have one more question. Really, what piece of advice do you have for others to take that leap? Take that leap of faith and transform themselves. <laughs> That's a great question. I think the, the best piece of advice that I could give to people, and uh, this is a, an example that I use in my book as well, is that 
you know, this process, you will at some point in this lifetime or a future lifetime begin this process, whether it's this exact process or some other process to do this work. So for me, my wife said to me, I was debating on whether to do a MBA. And she said, well, and I was debating, I don't know whether I want to do this. You know, it's part time. I got to work. And she said to me, well, how long does it take? And I said, two years. And she said, well, so two years from now, you can look back and say that you've done it. Or you can look back and say that you wish you did. That time is going to pass anyway. So what do you want to do? I give the same thought to other people. If this process takes a year or two years for you, or six months for you, if you start it now, let's say it's a two-year process for you, so consistent with my MBA, in two years you can look back and you can say, I did it, or you didn't do it. And if you do it, I firmly believe that your life will entirely change and how you feel internally and how you express yourself to the world will be entirely different and you will be a happy, more joyous, loving, kind person. Thank you for that. And I think that all comes from your own, the voice of experience. I mean, that's your personal experience and you know it works. And I just want to thank you so much for being with us today. And where can people find out more about you? My website is d neilelliot.com. That's D-N-E-I-L-E-L-L-I-O-T-T.com. The book is A Higher Road, Cleanse Your Consciousness to Transcend the Ego and Ascend Spiritually, A Seven-Step Process to Inner Peace, Joy, Love, Abundance, and Prosperity. It's by D. Neil Elliott, and the D is just the initial for my first name to differentiate me as an author and on the internet. And my book is available through Amazon or bookstores in electronic version or in print. And it's available globally. All of my social media links are on my website. Great. And we'll be sure to include all of that in our show notes. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom here. Very inspirational. And I think that any of you listeners out there, if you really want to elevate your conscious evolution, it's time to take the step right now. Reach out to Neil and buy a copy of his book. And Neil, I just want to thank you again for being with us. Thank you, Carol. And I very much appreciate being here and being able to share some of this knowledge that I've gained with your listeners. Thank you. And to all of you listeners, thank you for joining us again. And until next time, keep rising up. Bye for now. We hope today's show helped to bring a bit more joy and happiness into your heart. We hope it inspired you to unleash your inner power and rise up to your best and loving heart-centered highest self. We'd be grateful if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews are important to spreading this valuable message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and share the show with others. Visit heartsriseup.com for heart-centered courses, guided meditations, and our popular notes from your higher self. Until next time, keep rising up and may all that you love thrive. <laughs>